so glad that you guys are, are here today. Uh, we've got so many wonderful things we're going to be sharing. Uh, Shane, we're going to be talking uh, about Shane and Lucy here in a minute uh, during the sermon. Also going to be initiating a time of Lord's Supper and communion after the sermon. So if you didn't uh, grab one of those things, hopefully everybody got one. Uh, we're going to have a time of Lord's Supper and communion together. I'm also going to share with you a mission project that we're going to be doing this Christmas, um, which is going to really highly benefit uh, benefit some people uh, this this Christmas season. Uh, we're, we're, we're kind of in a in a sermon series. This is sort of my last series uh, from now through uh, January eighth, and it's called Carrying the Kingdom. And uh, leadership have asked me to, uh, to over the course of the next five sermons to just really downgrade the quality slowly, um, so that by the time January eighth comes, you are going. Thank God, this is over. Okay. Um, in fact, I've th- thrown in a few cuss words in January 8th, so it's really going to be time to go after that, let me tell you. Uh, no, we're going we're gonna to have some fun together and just try to enjoy, enjoy this time. The idea behind carrying the kingdom is simple. If we look at the pages of Scripture, if we look at what God is doing, God is always trying to share his kingdom with people. That's what he's, that's what he's trying to do. And he is looking for good people who are willing to carry the kingdom. We talked about this last week uh, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That talks about we are vessels, we are jars of clay. And one of the great things that we are called to do is instead of filling those jars with everything about us, we need to try to pour some of that, that out and allow God to fill the negative space. If we, if we are filled to the brim with ourselves, it's very hard for God to use us. And so there is this process where we have to, we have to pour a little bit out, and, and hopefully a lot out. And, and it gets complicated and confusing, and it's costly, and it's difficult. But it is only when we do that that we become people that God can use. I told you, we always want to tell God's story because that is the biggest story that we have. But God's story is not void of our story. Okay, God has always desired his story, and our story to collide. God never chose to just do everything by himself without good people. He always wanted good people who were willing to be filled that he could use. That's why the passage that you read today, the Philippians 2 passage, even Jesus didn't consider himself as the top of the food chain. No, no, he poured himself out. He became nothing, the Bible said. He emptied his vessel so that God could fill him up, that God could use him, and we are called to follow that example. And when we do that, we become carriers of the kingdom. Now, what I want to do is I want to tell you a couple of stories, a couple of God's stories, and then I'm going to tell you a couple of our stories and how those two stories intersect, and hopefully those will be inspirational to you as well. The, the stories that we're kind of going chronologically through the Old Testament, through the Bible and whatnot. Um, the first story that we find is actually found in, in the book of 1 Samuel. Now, 1 Samuel is named for the prophet Samuel. But when we start reading 1 Samuel chapter 1, Samuel's not on the scene yet, but his mother, or who will become his mother, is Hannah. She is on the scene. Now, the story kind of starts in an awkward place. Hannah's married, but she is unable to have children. Some of you in this room have probably experienced that or maybe are experiencing that in your life. 
Now, if you have problems having children, modern medicine has created a way that you can go and talk to a fertility doctor. You can go and get on some medication, and they can, they can help the body along a little bit so that you can hopefully have a child. And a lot of people are very successful with just that. Some people have to go for, you know, IUI and IVF and all these funny acronyms to, to try to help them uh, conceive a child. And a lot of them are very successful, and a lot of them are not. And maybe some people that realize that's never going to happen for them, we have these avenues of adoption that you can decide to, to raise children, to, to you know, have children that come into your house that are, now, that are now your children. And it's a beautiful thing that we participate in in our world. And some people decide, no, we're, we're going to have pets. You know, we're going to have cats and dogs because that's what our life is. And that's fine as well. It doesn't really matter where, where you are. But the, but the angst in the midst of that process is very difficult. Now, if you could not have kids in the time that the Bible was written, There was only one thing you could do to be fertile, and that was to pray. And so in 1 Samuel 1, we see this woman named Hannah, who is at the end of her rope, who goes to the temple, and she prays, God, please bless me with a child. God, please, and year after year, in fact, Sometimes she gets so intense in her praying that the priest thinks something is wrong with her. She may, maybe, maybe she has some mental disability or maybe she's had too much to drink. Maybe she's hung over from the night before. The Bible tells us that. And she says, no, I'm just that desperate about having a child. And I don't know how long it was, but First Samuel tells us kind of the deal that she strikes with God. She she says to God, she tells God, if you give me a child, I will give that child back to you. I will make that child a person in the temple. In chapter 1 and verse 24 of 1 Samuel, it says, after the boy was weaned, she took the boy with her, as young as he was, as well as a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, a skin of white wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, who is the prophet and the priest. And he said to, and she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted me what I asked, so now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Now, I know some of us would love this option to take our kids to the temple and drop them off. Um, if you don't feel that way, then you either don't have kids or they're, I don't, I don't know what the story is there. But, um, but she, she keeps her promise. She finally gets to this point that she realizes having a child is not just about her having a child, it is about her saying, I am willing to have a child. If you bless me with that, then I will dedicate this child back to you. Something very powerful in this moment. And as you read the story, Samuel is the one who is raised in the temple. He has this moment where God calls him, and he thinks it's Eli. And every year, his mother goes to the temple. She gets to see him once a year and watches him grow and watch him him experience who God is. 
Samuel becomes the greatest prophet that Israel has ever seen. Samuel is the prophet that anoints the first kings of Israel. It doesn't happen without him. There's something powerful about that, and it all began because a mother chose not to be selfish with her child, gave up her child so that the kingdom of God could move forward and go where it needed to go. The story continues if you look at the text. Uh, by the time you get to, to 1 Samuel 16, you see the story of Saul has become king, and he's not a very good king. He hasn't done really well. And God decides it's time for Israel to have a new king. And in 1 Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 16, beginning in verse 1, it tells us the story that how long will you mourn for Saul? He's saying this to Samuel, because I've rejected him as king of Israel. Fill up your horn with oil. And be on your way. That's how, they used to, that's how they used to anoint kings, right? Oil on the head was a sign of anointing. He said, I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. Now, we talk a lot about Bethlehem this time of year, right? Well, it's, this is where it starts in the story. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, something really interesting happens when prophets go to town. And I want to tell you this story because it matters. When a prophet goes to a town, it's not good. Okay, it's not like having, you know, Billy Graham or Franklin Graham come to town. It's not like having one of these evangelists come to town and we're going to do a revival or we're going to have a great amount of fun. If a prophet starts making his way to your town, it usually means you've done something wrong. And so the people see Samuel and his entourage coming and they freak out. And they go out to Samuel, hey, what do you want with our town? Are you just passing through? Are you just like checking into the Holiday Inn? What's going on? Are you still moving? I mean, they are scared. Because usually when prophets come to town, they're going to pour out this prophetic word that says, you are not doing what God is calling you to do. And you better change, or the enemy is right behind us on the next hill, or God's going to kill half of you. And so they are terrified. And Samuel finally says, no, no, no. God is allowing me to choose a king. He's gonna cho- I'm going to choose a new king from the house of Jesse. Whew. Oh, dodge the bullet there, right? So he goes to Jesse's house. And Jesse lines up all of his sons. And the first one steps forward, right? And even Samuel is fooled and thinks, oh, this has got to be it. I mean, he is, he's the, he's the whole package, right? Now, I'm going to confess to you, when I was preparing the sermon, um, God shared one of you, and I just kept seeing your face um, every time I was telling this story, okay? Brian Gilbert, it was you, okay? He is, okay, he, he's a big guy. He's tall. How tall are you? About 6'4", okay? Off to a good start, right? Ruggedly handsome, okay? I mean, let's be honest. Meredith, you definitely fell upstairs, right? Let's just be honest, right? Okay, he's funny, got a great sense of humor. If, if, if you were in a fight, he's the guy you want next to you, not opposite you, right? He is just the whole package. It's like, this is awesome. And that's what Sam, Samuel's like, this has got to be it. Gets up, gets his horn ready. God says, no, 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 it's not him. Oh, okay. Who's next? Goes down the line. Now, I don't want to go down the line because otherwise people are going to realize what I really think of them. Um, <laughs> so I have to be careful. But 
Uh, but we start at the top, right? And then we, get, then we go down. But every person that we would look at, and he goes, no, nope, not that person, not that person, not that person, not that person. Not. I mean, goes down all the sons, gets to the last one and thinks, well, hopefully it's this person. God says, not him either. Samuel goes, am I in, am I in Bethlehem, right? Like you are the only Jesse in Bethlehem. Am I at the right house? What's going on here? Do you have, look, finally looks at Jesse and says, you got any more kids? Yeah, I got one more, the youngest, which is actually kind of a, a slang term. He's babysitting sheep. That's the only job we trust him to do. He's out in the field. We didn't even bring him in here. You better go get him. And then they say, we're not going to sit down until he gets here. And I promise you, that was a long few hours. It might have even been a day or a day and a half. And as David walks in, he is so unsuspecting. He's not put together the way that we see things. And God says, that's not him. The unlikely candidate, the child, will be the next king. Samuel gets up and anoints David. David becomes the greatest king that Israel has ever seen. David takes, takes hold. He, he, he kills all the enemies. Now, granted, he makes some mistakes in his life, but he brings the presence of God back to Israel. He's a huge figure, and it doesn't happen unless, unless Samuel is a part of that story. And that story doesn't happen unless he has a mother who prayed and was willing to pour herself out so that she could be filled with the presence of God. So telling that story, uh, I want to spend some time today talking about training these people for leadership. Because today they're becoming our student pastors. We had a time where our leadership, some of the family, we pray over them. Uh, we, we have some cool little, little customs that we participate in. And today they are taking on the role of becoming our student pastors. But I want to tell you a little bit about their stories. It's going to take me a minute, but this is all about storytelling anyway, isn't it? So Shane and Lucy, we kind of met, uh, kind of met by proxy through, uh, through Julie. Is that Shane's name? Who's the other Shane? Okay. Um, <laughs> I met Shane and Lucy uh, through, through Julie. Julie was a part of friend group uh, from high school. A lot of people at our church kind of knew uh, Shane and Lucy and Lucy was pregnant at the time. I think they'd come to church just a couple of times on and off. And, and sort of after, uh, you know, the, the miracle of things like Facebook and other things, you kind of get information these days that you know. Uh, we learned that they, uh, they had a little Beckett, but then there was going to be uh, another child. But the child had a condition called trisomy 13, which many of you probably know about as well. And uh, Julie had gone over there and, and, and kind of hung out with them and rekindled some stuff. And she, and she came back. She said, I don't know what we're supposed to do. And I said, why don't you just ask them if they would be okay with us going over and just praying over them and their family. Would they just be okay with that? They had been in church before. I think you guys were sort of on and off a little bit with church at that point. You'd had some, some church wounds, which who doesn't have church wounds these days, unfortunately. And so we went over to their house. And we prayed, and we got to meet uh, little little Xander. And Xander is um, just a perfect little baby, uh, just a beautiful little child. In fact, when the doctors talked to you, they said most babies with the condition trisomy 13 never leave the hospital. They usually pass away within the first 24 hours of giving birth. Shane and Lucy knew this was coming. They knew this was happening. 
And over the course of the next few weeks, we got to go over to their house, get to know them, got to hold the sweet child. You know, by the way, Xander is a shortened form of the word Alexander, if you know that. And Alexander means the defender of men, the conqueror of all things. It's actually a, it's actually a beautiful and wonderful name. Got to meet this little guy that had an effect on all of us. And for the course of the next seven weeks, we got to walk with Shane and Lucy. They allowed us into their home, into their life. And he passed away at about seven weeks old, and we got to, we, we had grown in life together with them. Now, I'm not just trying to tell you the, the hard story. I'm trying to get through that as quickly as I can, because I know that that's a difficult thing. It's always funny, because I, 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 I sort of believe, you've never told me this, but I believe that having and being blessed with that child and having that child has fundamentally changed your life. It would change any parent's life. But where a lot of people would choose to go the other way, they chose to walk closer with God. Sometimes I go over to their house um, and we talk about ministry and we talk about other things. And there's a little box that has um, his remains that is in their living room. This is what the picture looks like. You can you can pull that up if you like. It's a little. It's a beautiful little box, and I think it's a great reminder. But there's something even equally special to me. Something that was non-prompted is there's a little sign behind this that actually my daughter two years ago painted. She's 10 years old, and it was just something she said. I want to make something. She was still in the children's ministry. She wasn't even in your ministry yet, and she said, I want to do something that's sweet. And I think this is such a true statement. A 10-year-old that understands this in a way that maybe sometimes we forget. But I think this is a large part of, of what governs the way that you guys do your life, the way that you guys walk. Because I think that you still hear a voice of Xander saying, you got this, Mama, you got this. About three or four weeks after he had passed, they started coming to church. And I was actually quite amazed and quite stunned that it happened that quickly because often parents have a different response. And they came. And they kept coming. And they kept coming. And then after a while, they started to get involved. And they started to volunteer. And they really just gave themselves over to this. And then in the beginning of 2022, they came on as student leaders. And they helped kind of navigate the ministry. And, and through some changes that happened in the ministry over the past year, we were like, okay, we're going to band together. How are we going to move forward? What are we going to do? And I remember that there were some moments where it became very clear to me that I was like, they need to be our next student pastor. And so went to dinner with them and said, hey, let's just, let's just talk it out. They were already student leaders, but maybe we need to take the next step. I wasn't sure where they were either. So we went down, and before we'd even got our main dishes, I think we were still eating the, the blooming Onion at, at Outback, okay? Um, that's, what we were, that's what we were doing. And Shane said, I believe God is calling me to be the next student pastor. And in a file next to, on the chair, there was an outline of, we want you to become student pastors. They'd had some wounds in church. They'd worked as student leaders before. In a church, they were handed that role, and things at the church didn't go very well, and the church kind of exploded, and they were sort of kicked to the curb. And so they have their own wounds. And we sat down and they said, we feel like we, this is the next step we need to take, you know, but, but we're really scared. And so I did what any good pastor 
does. I lied to them. And I said, ministry is so easy. It's not hard at all. You'll never have a bad day. People will just love you. They'll never say anything critical about you. Uh, and they said, but we still feel that that, that that drive, that drive of God calling us to do this is bigger than our fears and our apprehensions. And so we kind of started a process over the course of the next few weeks where we just talked about who you guys are becoming and what role God is calling you to. And I don't want to be indelicate or insensitive, but I was reading a parable this week. It's the parable of the sower and the seed. You remember this one? The sower goes out to throw seed. And some of it falls on the path, and some of it falls on the rocky places, and some of it falls on the thorny places, and only a small percentage of it falls on the good soil. And the Bible says the seed that fell on the good soil yields a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. You remember this story? I read that this week, and in my heart I know that is you guys. You know why? Because you lost one along the way, and God has given you 30 more. And it's not going to be long until there's 60, and until there's 100. And the only reason God is doing this is because you were willing to listen to the call and say, it's not about me, God. If you give us another chance at life, we're going to devote that chance God will overwhelmingly bless you. I know when we talked, Shane was like, I don't think I'm the right guy. I don't know that, that, that I could do this. I, there's plenty of other people you could choose. Yeah, but, but our eyes don't see what God, God's eyes see. The ones that we think, this is the one. God says, no. It's always the unlikely candidate. And the level of humility to be unlikely to God is how common it is. And I've watched you guys your story and God's story intertwine in mighty and powerful ways. I know we're going to sing a song here in just a second, and then we're going to have a time to pray over you. We're going to invite the students and leadership and all that kind of stuff, and then we're going to have the Lord's Supper and mission. It's just going to be a great Sunday from here on out, okay? So, uh, so it's great. But Shane and Lucy are just uh, inspirational figures in our church. If this is the kind of leaders that God is raising up in this place, I want you to hear the word of encouragement. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So, Father, today, just thank you so much for uh, allowing us to be a part of your story in mighty and powerful ways. Uh, God, thank you that I thank you so much for, for Shane and Lucy. I love their, their heart, their testimony, their life. Uh, God, that you have done just so much in them and through them. I just pray that you would... Uh, give them your anointing, that you would fill them with your spirit. Uh, God, that you would just do what we could never do on our own. Uh, but God, we thank you so much uh, that you have called them uh, at this time, at this place, uh, for, this, for this opportunity. And, and I just pray, God, that you would empower them in mighty ways, that they would, that they, with their humble spirits, with their empty vessels, would be willing to be filled with your presence, and God, would you do mighty things in them and through them. And so we give them to you today. We just thank you so much for, for your blessing, for, for giving them your calling, which is such a
bless you. So we pray that as we sing, as we worship, as we continue, God, that you would just be in our midst. We pray this all through Jesus. Let's be a church together. Together.